Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapenny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, joined by my good friend and co-host, Chris Liuzzi, man. Um, dude, a lot going on in the NFL. So much has transpired over the last week. Man, first of all, how are you doing, man? And uh, man, let's dive into this NFL talk. No, I'm doing good, and it's you know always fun to come in here and talk with you, especially about the NFL. I mean, there's always something going on in the NFL, right? But, man, this past week in general good lord there's been so much going on there's, there's so much that we can get into the nfl's been wild man what do you say we get right into it uh, obviously the start of the week you had uh, the tragic news the raiders henry ruggs you know the the accident and obviously there's you can look at that through football through life i mean it's a it's a tragedy is what it is he's never going to play football again uh you know it's unfortunate scenario but then you have in the past couple of days as well, they just released their other first round pick from the same class with Arnett, you know, posting the videos, the you know, waving the gun around. I mean, what is going on with the Raiders? Both first round picks. I mean, that's that's huge, you know, for their future. Now now they're off the team. Yeah, man. Um, you know, when I first heard the news, I didn't realize the extent of what happened with Henry Ruggs, but I mean, to be first of all, you know, his blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit in Nevada. It was point one six one. Uh mm-hmm. the legal limit is point oh eight. He was driving one hundred and fifty six miles per hour. I mean that's look, there's a responsibility. Like driving is a privilege. It's not a right. And so, right. you know, for one, to be driving drunk, n- nobody should ever do that. And then on what reason? What reason on God's green earth are you driving 156 miles per hour? Mm. Um, it, it, it's sickening, man. It really is. And 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 I'm not talking about football. I don't care what your talent level yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how good of a player you are. You know, none of that matters to me. But when you're looking at someone who's just just made horrible decision after horrible decision, as I mentioned with the drinking and then the excessive speeding and the reckless driving. You know, I don't, I'm going to put it like this. I know Derek Carr was feeling, you know, he felt kind of responsible, wish he could have done something, but there's nothing you right. could do. Like, at some point, when you are when you get a driver's license, when you have this privilege of being in the NFL, there there's responsibility, and it takes, um, I mean, I don't care if you're 16 or, or if you're 46. Like, once you get a license, you know what, is expected and you know i was really uh disappointed on henry ruggs decisions uh Kadarius tony his tweet receiver for the giants what he did yeah. to kind of support ruggs that was not the way to go about it and what he said was not correct either um and then like you said that the arnett deal i mean this is something that has really the raiders have been through it we know what J- the john gruden yeah. news that took place <laughs> i mean the raiders have really been through it here in this last few weeks and you touched on you know the Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett both being released both being first round picks from last year's class and neither one neither one are now with the Los Las Vegas Raiders I should say yeah and and as a team looking forward obviously you know Gruden's been there a little bit but you have him and you have Mike Mayock they're trying to kind of build something new there you know the Raiders haven't been I mean, they've kind of had their moments so before Carr had gotten injured, they were good that year. But, like, they've really been, like, an up-and-down team. They're trying to build this foundation, and then you, you have that happen. I mean, it's just that's tough to work with. And then this past week, the Raiders come out and, and lose. And to a team you should have thought, you know, you would have thought that the Raiders would have come in and won. And so it's, I mean, is there just too much going on? I mean, I don't know. You don't want to look at the football aspect of it because, you know, especially with the Rugs stuff going on. But it's, man, that team's just in a rough spot right now. Man, before we move on to the next topic, man, I'm just going to give you the 2020 draft class from the Raiders. We talked about Ruggs and Arnett both being first-round picks, no longer with the team. Third-round pick from last year, Lynn Bowden Jr. never played a snap with him. They traded him to the Dolphins. Brian Edwards, a receiver out of South Carolina, 29 catches in 20 games. He was a third-round pick, so he hasn't, you know, kind of panned out the way they hope. Now, this Ruggs release may open up more opportunities for yeah, him. Yeah, I'd say it's his time to step up now if yeah, there's ever a time. This is his chance to show, uh, like, man, that he is capable of making an impact. And then another third-round pick from Clemson, Tanner Muse, 
never played any snaps with them. Like they released him uh, this this preseason before he even uh, had an impact on the field for them. And so they have two players, John Simpson and Amik Robertson, from that entire class of the 2020 and draft yeah, that's year. just last year. All it took was a year. Just last year. <laughs> so uh, this, like hmm. you said, Mike Mayock, the whole John Gruden deal. Doesn't look like it's going to end well, man, even for Mayock. I know Gruden's out, but I'm not sure how, how much longer my, uh, Mike Mayock can withstand some of the turmoil that's taking place in Las Vegas. No, no, and I, I agree with you. There's just – you can't – I mean, it, drafting's hard, and there's going to be misses every year, but that's that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. So also last week, Derek Henry, the uh, star running back, a former Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, this guy goes down, and you know, when I first received the ESPN notification, I, it just didn't seem real. Like, there's no way he could be potentially out for the season. Like Derrick Henry is a is a hey, machine. Man. He's a monster. Like this dude never gets hurt. That's why I traded for him in my fantasy league. Like this dude never goes down. He's as reliable as they come. He's the Russell Wilson their running back, and then Russell Wilson gets hurt as well. You know, so Derrick Henry. But you know what? He he missed his game. The Titans didn't miss a beat, though. They not only did they not miss a beat, they completely annihilated the Los Angeles Rams. Man, yeah, talk about that! Close. Talk about that twenty-eight sixteen win over the Rams from last Sunday night. No, they they dominated in a completely different way. It was defense, man. They were just getting after Stafford. I mean, that defensive line, and which they've to to their credit has been good. Landry's been a baller this year. I mean, that defensive line has been solid, but I mean, just that defense as a whole against this Rams team that's been just on fire this year, that offense has been cooking and the Titans. I mean, they're like 20 to 16 almost doesn't even do it justice. That game wasn't close at all. I mean, that mm-hmm. they scored late, but I mean, that was just a total beat down from the Titans in every way. And they did it, you know, they had Adrian Peterson just come in, but I mean, it, I mean, they did enough on offense, but that was a defensive and special teams shutout is what that was. I mean, they just came in and dominated the Rams. Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons, I believe he had three sacks in the game, former yeah. first-round pick from Mississippi State. Uh, like you said, it was it was a different style. And, you know, there was a lot of questions going into this season with this Titans defense. You know, they went and signed Bud Dupree. They drafted Caleb Farley. I mean, they drafted uh, Elijah Molden. I mean, a lot of guys, like I love their draft class because they really addressed the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, Janoris Jenkins, they go get him, old Jack Rabbit as they call him. I mean, I love yeah. what the Titans did this past offseason, and I think we're starting to see the fruits of their labor of some of the transactions that were made because they really dominated that game, as you mentioned. And it was, you know, like I don't have anything against McVay. I love McVay. Uh, Matt Stafford is a great QB. We know the talent that they have, but we, we kind of saw the Rams – I think a little exposed. I really do believe they were a little exposed uh, last matchup just because, you know, obviously they've been off to a great start. But you mm-hmm. look at some of the teams they've beaten. They've kind of been some of the cellar dwellers. I mean, they beat the, you know, they beat the Lions, they beat the Texans, they beat the Giants, they beat the Bears in the opening win. I mean, some of the teams that they've beaten aren't necessarily the great teams in the NFL. So, uh, you know, sure. I think, I think, and not, not taking anything away from them because they are a great team. We know they're their talent level offensively and defensively, but I do think we have to kind of reel it back some that they're not necessarily the world beaters that we thought they were. With that said, then this game, this, you know, this defensive domination that the Titans had, do you think that's a realistic, you know, kind of output for them the rest of the year? That is, are the Titans that legitimate on defense that they can kind of keep this thing moving, you know, with no Henry putting, putting the ball a little bit more in Tannehill's hands. Do you think this is something they can keep doing? I think so. I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to be about consistency. We know they have the talent level on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and they're going to have to play this type of ball. I mean, for one, this is Mike Vrabel's team. This is what he wants to do. You know, he's right. a hard, hard, you know, old school, hit you in the mouth type mentality. Uh, we're going to play great defense. We're going to, you know, play ball control. So I do believe that they are capable of doing this. And I mean, you look at the Titans. We 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 look at it. You know, from, okay, look what the Rams didn't do or whatever. Man, this Titans team, they've beaten the Bills. They've beaten the Chiefs. Like, this is a good ball team, man. You know, this really is. And so, like, nobody knew what to expect with the Derrick Henry injury. But now I think this defensive unit will take it upon themselves to kind of be the Derrick Henry that they need. 
I think they have to. And I think you saying, uh, mentioning Vrabel is actually a really good way to look at it because his mentality is like run through that team. And you could tell just as hard, physical, you're going to hit you in the mouth type of team. And yeah, I, and I agree with you. I think that they can, as much as I hate to say it as a Colts fan, <laughs> I, I think that they're very clear contenders. They're going to keep this thing rolling, man. So the Titans have a huge win over the Rams, 28-16. Staying in this AFC news, I know it's not necessarily this is AFC talk, but a lot of the news that happened came from the AFC. OBJ finally released, finally released from the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I never liked the trade to Cleveland. I mean, if he wasn't happy in New York, he wasn't going to be happy in Cleveland, and I just never liked the... uh, the marriage between he and Baker. But a lot of people are saying this is addition by subtraction, man. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. finally being released. He clears waivers. What's your thoughts on uh, on Beckham Jr. no longer being with the Browns? No, I think it's uh, a good move for both sides. I mean, it clearly, like you had said, him and him and Baker, for whatever reason, whether it's Baker, whether it's Odell, Odell they just never got on the same page. I mean, they just never did. Uh, every time Odell's been active, he has been injured a lot since he's been in Cleveland. Every time he's been active, it's just it's never really had a he's never really had a big impact on the on that offense. And more often than not, it's been worse. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, addition by subtraction, they really have. I mean, they just look like a better team when he's not there. Which Odell is obviously he's not been the same guy that he was, you know, with the Giants. But like he's not a bad receiver still yeah. you know is but for whatever reason and baker has just never been able to get on the same page and I, there's no telling why we're not uh, i've seen reports that suggest that uh odell's a little bit more i guess lackadaisical with his route running not that he's bad at it but that he he'll i guess free ball it a little bit more yep. running routes and that kind of messes up his anticipation with baker who's a really who's all about timing and rhythm he's kind yep. of one of those quarterbacks so maybe that's what it is i mean who knows, right? But at, at this point, it's, you know, a pass is pass. That's Landry's kind of the guy in that receiving group now. Now they, with losing Odell, which Odell hasn't provided this for them, but they need someone to step up to kind of be that deep threat. I know Donovan Peoples-Jones had that uh, deep ball this past week, but he's going to have to kind of step up to fill that role because Landry isn't really that type of receiver, you know. He, I mean, he's a great receiver, but mm-hmm. he's not that beat you deep, stretch the field kind of guy. So there is that void now, but I mean, it, yeah, I mean that that offense. I mean, they came out and kind of made a statement, right? I mean, they looked great last week against a defense that had been pretty solid. But no, I think it's a win-win. It's good for the Browns. Yeah, um, this was something that you know, me being an Auburn guy, told people back in 2013 that Gus wasn't wouldn't work, and it took Auburn eight years to realize that. <laughs> so this is kind of the same for me. Like I knew the day the Browns traded for Beckham, it wouldn't last. It's just. The, the the personalities and it didn't didn't make sense you know like Baker is trying to find his own he's very confident very cocky very arrogant and uh you know I like Baker but mm-hmm. when you have a receiver who's going to demand the ball and going to cry over the ball and even though we didn't see a lot of that that doesn't mean we didn't hear it you know, that, you know that doesn't mean it didn't happen you know what I'm saying so I feel like Odell Beckham Jr was he's a guy that he, he he wants the ball. He's one of those diva receivers that we've seen for years. Terrell Owens, Chad Johnson, I mean, you know, Randy Moss. We have, and, and they're always great, and they want the ball, which we understand the demand and mm-hmm. the, the want of the uh, of having catches and making big plays for your team. But um, I think it was just a bad recipe for a young QP trying to rebuild uh, this franchise's image in – you know, you can't fault the Browns for making moves and trying to do things to help accelerate their rebuild. But for Baker, your QB, you don't want to give him that headache. That's kind of part part of the reason why Dez Bryant was cut from the Cowboys. They didn't want Dak and his growth as a QB in the league to be hindered by a receiver who may be chirping and chirping away. Uh, I think Steve Smith, Cam Newton was very similar to that as well. So Baker Mayfield, man, you know, they talk about this addition by subtraction with Odell Beckham Jr. Let me Mm -hmm. read you these stats, man, and it kind of really puts things in perspective. So Baker with Odell, the Browns were 13 to 15. Without him, they were 8-4. and four. The completion percentage was 4% higher without him. 
But the touchdown-interception ratio was really what stood out to me. With him, Baker threw 42 touchdowns, 29 interceptions. Without him, 14 touchdowns, only three interceptions. So you're looking at right there, you know, five-to-one touchdown-interception ratio without him, and then his passer rating was 16 points higher than it is when actually playing with OBJ. So I think it you look at it, Baker Mayfield – when he is in the pocket, when he's when he breaks the huddle first, he doesn't have to think like, man, let me get the ball to Odell. You know, I want to keep him happy. He's been chirping the whole game. Even Kevin Stefanski doesn't have to worry about calling plays to keep OBJ happy. He can actually call the play, and I think we saw that the the, the script that they want to have as this Browns offense has. They want to run the ball and play action and just take the the best progression, best read in that progression. Um, so I think that's something that is going to be better for the Browns moving forward. And I think you nailed it. We I mean we all know what Stefanski wants to do, right? And that's not they're not really a, a spread them, you know, throw it deep, throw the ball forty times a day. That's not what Kevin Stefanski has ever wanted to do. It's not what he wants to do in Cleveland. I mean, you got Chubb there. You have I know he's on IR right now, but you have Kareem Hunt. I mean, they want to run the ball, and I think this kind of lets them get back into that mentality. So in our next segment, we're going to talk about a few of the games from last Sunday, some surprise wins, some uh, ugly wins that still came out on top for certain teams. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley as we take a break and hear from our local sponsors. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan, or phone 334-671-POOL. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. Corey Bradley, your host, joined by my co-host, Chris Liuzzi. This past weekend, you had, in my opinion, the worst loss of the year of the NFL season as the Buffalo Bills went down nine to six. They lost nine to six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, this is a team that I didn't expect. I know the Jags beat the Dolphins in London a few weeks ago, but I didn't expect Jacksonville to possibly get their first win until week twelve. Like that's that's how lowly I thought of this Jacksonville Jaguars team. But here they go getting their second win against the Buffalo Bills that many people had them as the best team in the AFC and some probably had them as the best in the NFL in entirety. So man, tell me the Bills going down to the Jags. What's your reaction? What's your thoughts on, on that uh, shocking loss from last Sunday? I think you're right. I was one of those people. I was very much uh, Bill's number one team. I mean, they've just they've done it all offensively, defensively. That team has just looked like a total package. Josh Allen was arguably an MVP candidate. This game probably threw a big old wrench in that. I mean, it's hard to say. Did the Bills just – was it just a big fluke or – you know, but it turns out the you're kind of seeing a, a recipe that the teams are kind of playing against the Bills a little bit. And I'm going to kind of dive into this a little bit when we talk about the Chiefs later because they're kind of getting the same treatment. They're, they're taking away the deep plays. Like you're seeing a lot less deep shots to digs. Like you're not getting those explosive plays and they're forcing uh, Josh Allen to kind of play a little bit more of a methodical type of game. And they can get away with this one 
Well, the Jags, I guess, in this instance, got away with this because their defensive line just killed the Bills' O-line all game. I mean, they were getting after it. I mean, Josh Allen, for the Jaguars, <laughs> had a fantastic day. I mean, he had he led his team in tackles. He had an interception. He had a sack. Uh, they held Josh Allen for the Bills to no touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, they just they dominated them defensively. And then to counter it, the Bills don't have a run game. Really. None. I mean, Moss is, None. Moss is he's had his moments, but I mean, Allen tends to be their leading rusher more yep. often than not, and that's kind of one of the ways that you can counter, you know, that those deep safeties, and and they're not able to do that, and it just kind of when it whenever you throw a lot more of the checkdowns and methodical type of offense, that leaves more room for mistakes, and that's what happened. They had two uh, two more turnovers than the Jaguars did in that game. Mm-hmm. I think the Bills had three unnecessary roughness penalties. They had. 12 penalties total for over 118 yards. I mean, they just, it was just one of those games. I couldn't get anything going. Yeah, like you said, those three turnovers by Josh Allen, the two interceptions, the fumble, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth when you said the no running game. Like, this is a team that has everything that you could ask for offensively, defensively. The Bills are nearly complete. But they are incomplete because of the lack of running game. The is it Singletary? Is it Moss? It's a lot of times, it's neither one of them. Like like you said, Josh Allen is their leading rusher in some games. So that's a recipe for disaster. Like that that can help you in certain sprints, but at the end of the day, you you need that balance. You really do because we know Josh Allen a lot of times will play that hero ball that gets him into a yep. lot of trouble. And that's you. You don't want that from him. As great as we've seen him to be at times, when you're asking him to be that guy time and time again, usually it doesn't bode well for the Buffalo Bills. And you know the defense. I mean, it has to be frustrating for the defense to only allow nine points, but that's a loss. And it's a loss to the Jags. It's not like okay, it's Tampa Bay or the Steelers or the Rams. You know, it's not like some of these great defenses where it's just one of those classic battles like. You allowed nine points to Jacksonville and lost. You know, so I know Sean McDermott is really getting after those guys, man, this week in practice for sure. Uh, defense has to be sick. I mean, you hold a team to nine points, that should be an easy win, especially be, against Jacksonville. Should be a win every <laughs> Sunday and, and twice on Monday, man. So, uh, yeah, the Bills, I don't have any doubt that they'll regain some of their composure moving forward. Now, Vikings-Ravens, man, um, the Ravens storm back. 34-31 victory in overtime. You know, uh, first of all, I just I feel for the Vikings because I like Kirk Cousins. I like Adam Thielen. I like Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. I mean, you know, this team, though, this team, they lost in overtime to start the season on a Dalvin Cook fumble, lost to the Bengals. Then they lose on a 37-yard missed field goal kick by Greg Joseph to the Cardinals, which would have ended that whole undefeated talk yep. for the Cardinals right early on. And so then you have this overtime loss against Baltimore. They lost 14 to 7 against the uh Cleveland Browns 2016. Like every every game 2016 against the Cowboys offensive statement, but every game that they lost have been by one possession. And it's sickening like this team they're sitting in what 3 and 5, but they're not that bad. They just can't get out of their out of yep. their own way a lot of times. So uh Man, the Vikings yet again go down on a close uh, thriller to the Ravens, man. What were your thoughts after you saw some of the highlights and uh, what was your take from that game? And this feels like a running thing with the Vikings every year, doesn't it? I, I feel yeah. like the past three off seasons almost, I've, I've looked, you know, looking at the teams on paper, I look at the Vikings every year and I'm like, that should be a pretty good team. Yeah. I mean, they have talent in the offensively, defense, I mean, that stacked offensively talent wise. But every year, I'm like, These, this would be a pretty good team. And then every year, they're just not like you said mm-hmm. they just kind of get in their own way they lose the close games they just can't ever i don't know just can't ever seem to get things moving but uh takeaways from this game lamar should be very much in the mvp conversation lamar is doing so much for that ravens team right now yeah i think a lot of, i mean his he's putting up numbers just like he did his mvp year i think it's just kind of the I don't know, people are just used to it at this point, so it's not getting the same kind of love. But, I mean, Lamar is balling this year, man. He had 266 passing yards that game to go on top of 120 rushing yards. He had three touchdowns. I mean, they just – he had a great game. One of the crazier things, though, is that this is a case example of where I, why time of possession could be such a big deal. The Ravens had 46 minutes time of possession this game. Wow. 
They wow. had 36 first downs to the Vikings 13. That's insane. The Vikings had they averaged more yards per play. They just never had the ball. They yeah. ran 37 less plays than Baltimore. Yeah. And they had zero turnovers, whereas Baltimore had two. <laughs> but when Baltimore had the ball, turnovers aside, they just these slow, methodical drives drove down the field, and they, I mean, the Vikings just didn't get a chance. Man, I'll say this. You know, I know I was watching the the end and the bonus coverage of that game, and I want to say at the time, I'm not sure what the, what they finished with. And you may be able to tell me this, but the Vikings defense had been on the field like 80 something plays. You know. <laughs> And so, like you said, the time of possession that you just shared with us, it's not surprising because Baltimore were able to get first down after first down, as you talked about, and they're rushing downs a lot of times. You know, they're they're just kind of yep. killing the defense's wheel, you know. Um, you know, but I look at, you know, this, this Baltimore team, as I mentioned, the Vikings could have been, you know, they could be sitting at 6-2. and two. The Ravens, you know, are 6-2, and two, and – they could be on the flip side. I mean, there's no way they should have come back and beat the Colts on that Monday night football. There's no way they should come back and win that game. They were down 25-9 in the fourth, tied it up, sent it to overtime, got that win. They beat the Chiefs early in the season on a Clyde Elair, Elair, uh, Edwards Elair fumble that just ended that game for them on that comeback victory for Baltimore. Um, you look at the 66-yard field goal that Justin Tucker made. Against the Lions, that was a before that even sixty-six yard attempt. It was fourth and nineteen, and and Baltimore were on their own territory, and they converted a fourth and nineteen that would have sealed the deal. The Lions would have got that upset victory. So I mean, you look at what Vikings have done and what the Ravens have done, and how just a few bounces the other way, man. They, they, both yep. teams could be looking at different seasons for them. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you what frustrated me most in, the, in that game and that overtime, and we'll move it on. But that Kirk Cousins, man, in overtime, Anthony Barr made a great interception, got the ball back for the Vikings. All they need is a field goal to win. They went hand off to Cook, hand off to Cook, and now it's like third and nine. And now, of course, you have to throw it. In Baltimore's recipe, when it's third and long, they send an all-out blitz. Yeah, when it's needed, when it's needed in this desperation, they send an all-out blitz. Whether you know you're going to get there, if they don't get there, then they're beat. But a lot of times they do get there. I mean, but you know that's how they lost to the Raiders in overtime earlier this year. But uh, I think in that situation, you got to trust Kirk earlier in the downs. That way, he's not put in that position to try to make one amazing play against an all-out blitz, you know. So the Vikings got to do better moving forward of trusting their QB if they want to really get over the hump and right the ship for the second half of the season. And I agree with you, and especially when he has the the pass catches that he has, like you got to be able to, to yes. trust him and trust those guys to get it done. But uh, moving on, I mean, this this is another big one: the Packers and Chiefs. Chiefs end up winning thirteen-seven, which I mean, <laughs> Chiefs win. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's a win in the win column. But my goodness, these Chiefs. I mean, at, at what point? And they, I think all year we've just been kind of waiting. Like, oh, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And they're just, they're not. I mean, it, at some point, we just got to kind of look at them for what they are, right? I mean, the Chiefs just, they're just not that great right now. I mean, and there's there is a lot of season left. I mean, and then they're in the AFC. The AFC is just absolutely wide open there are so many five win teams which to their credit the Chiefs for all the you know the sky is falling we're talking about with them they're still five and four (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I mean they come in against the Packers who have an okay defense like statistically that they've had an average defense they're solid but they're not world beaters by any means they're starting Jordan Love for the first time and they escape with a 13-7 win I mean it's just (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's not the same Chiefs we're used to seeing. And a part yeah. of that, so I, I kind of dove into this a little bit. A, a part of that, I kind of mentioned this with the Bills, but teams are they're taking away the explosive part of that offense. Uh, they're playing just a lot more too high. Like I think I, the numbers I had pulled, they're facing too high defense, which is cover two, cover four, cover six, cover seven. Anything is just getting the safeties back, taking away the deep play on 90% of their snaps, which is more than any other team in the league. Wow. And what they're doing is they're just they're bracketing or doubling Kelsey, and they're bracketing and doubling Hill, and they're yeah. saying, okay, somebody else beat us, mm-hmm. and no one else does. You know, they kind of had Watkins to fill that role the last few years. Well, Watkins is gone now. I th- I'm assuming that they were hoping McCall Harpin would kind of take that leap for them, and he hasn't done it. Byron Pringle hasn't done it. They went and signed Josh Gordon. He hasn't really 
you know, had any impact for them. They don't have that guy that can make, you know, a play happen when he does get one-on-one. And, and I'd mentioned this with the Bills we talked about. It. They don't really have a run game to yep. help either. Yep. That's another way you beat two highs. You, you run the ball. And so when you, you do all this, plus the, that offensive line is just not great this year. <laughs> I mean, they, they went and, you know, made a couple offensive line signings, but they're not. It's just not as good as Mahomes is, as good as you know Hill is, as good as Kelsey and Andy Reid is. It's just not a recipe to win. And you have to, whether, I mean, hopefully they'll get Edwards Zulayer back soon. I know he's been on IR. Get him back soon and maybe get some semblance of a, of a run game going, which I've done a little bit better the last two weeks. But, I mean, you, you would know being, you know, you used to go for the Eagles. I mean, Andy Reid isn't. He's he's wanting to air it out, man. That's, uh, that's yeah, what he that, wants to do. That's what I disliked about him most was he's <laughs> pass happy, man. He he's definitely that. Yep, and they, and they're and it's worked. But now this year, teams are taking that away, and they don't have they just don't have the the tools to beat that right now. And will they kind of figure that out as the year goes on? I'm I'm just not sure, man. What do you what do you see? You know, uh, the media is what bothers me most with the Chiefs. You know, every week is like, man, what's wrong with the Chiefs? What's what's wrong with the Chiefs? You know, the Chiefs are, just aren't good. That's really what it comes down to. And, I mean, you know, when the, when the Chiefs lost to the Bills, it's Kansas City that's not doing something right. When they lost to the Titans, it's not the Titans that, that beat them. It's Kansas City that beats themselves. You know, and the Chargers and the Ravens, like, this team, just they're just not good. And I think, you know, we know how great, Patrick Mahomes and those guys can be but like you said they're taking away teams are taking away the deep ball Mahomes has his mind made up pre-snap who he's looking at and he doesn't he he every now and then he'll check down and make the smart play but a lot of times he forces things and that's why he would lead the league in in turnovers and interceptions because he's forcing into double coverage and you know instead of just taking the smart play he's 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 not that QB that's just going to manage the game you know he wants to splash play mm-hmm. you know and so that's where i think that gunslinger mentality that Brett Favre mentality when it's great it's great but when it's not man it, it looks really bad and this is what we're getting so i'm not surprised at all the struggle that they're having i mean i saw a clip last year's a video compilation that somebody put together of all the drop interceptions that Mahomes had and you know he he does make bad decisions from time to time just because of his, his confidence in his arm and his ability to, to you know to think that he can make every single throw when he can't i think it's really starting to bite him this year so and until like you said they get a running game and then also he thinks and plays smarter from a decision-making standpoint. I think Kansas City, because they could continue to struggle the rest of the way um, if they're not careful. If they're not careful, they could be one of those teams on the outside looking in come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're definitely right. But, again, just to reiterate, the AFC is wide open. So there's no talent. That, that whole division is sitting at five wins right now. <laughs> so they're, not, they're definitely not out of the running. It's just – for sure, not the Chiefs we're used to seeing. You know, also in that Packers-Chiefs game, Jordan Love, man, made his first career start. It didn't really look great, which is expected going against the Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. But, man, what did you, what did you take from uh, Jordan Love and his first career start? I mean, it, it's solid. I mean, like you said, it's not the greatest day. You don't want to come in. No, nobody pictures their debut being only seven points. I mean, it's just, it's a, like, that's a tough stadium to come into. It's a tough situation. It's a big game. I know the Chiefs have struggled this year, but that's still the big game. You're filling the shoes of Aaron Rodgers of all people, you know? So, I mean, the expectations are really high, right? But it could have been worse. I mean, he only had one interception. I mean, it, it's not the worst debut, you know, you've seen people have. I think the bigger, I guess, issue for him, where I guess this is just an indictment on that, the, the way the game went with that offense is the Chiefs just got after him. I mean, Love was getting pressured all day. Uh, the Chiefs go out and they trade for Melvin Ingram. They put Melvin Ingram at the end, defensive end, which lets them move Chris Jones back to his interior spot where he, you know, has excelled in the past. He had his best game of the season. He had seven pressures alone on Love. I mean, they were just getting after him. As tough as it is to be, like you said, his first NFL start, coming to airhead, and then on top of it, you're just getting pressured like crazy. It's, it, you can't, Kind of write him off. It, it just, he's got a lot of time to still get better, but that's, that's just a tough game. It happens. Welcome to the NFL. Yeah, welcome to the NFL indeed. And, uh, you know, one thing I took from that game, aside from Jordan Love, his, you know, obviously struggle in the start, 
But the Packers are definitely a force. To lose 13-7 and not have Aaron Rodgers the best to ever do it. That Packers defense, they're definitely coming along. And, uh, man, Green Bay. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Green Bay is the team to represent the NFC when it's all said and done. No, you're definitely right. You got Aaron Rodgers. Anything can happen. So, man, the Cardinals, Niners, this is a game that, you know, uh, Steve Young was one of my favorite guys growing up, Jerry Rice. Uh, but So I've always kept, kept a close eye on the Niners. And, you know, the fact that there's no DeAndre Hopkins in that game, there's no Kyler Murray, but yet they still would never end the game. Like, this was a missed opportunity for the Niners, a chance to steal a victory, if you will. Man, I was really disappointed in the whole, not just the offense, but the defense. Everybody involved, coaching. Like, There's no way they should have lost this game to the Cardinals. What's your take on the Niners having that miserable loss to Arizona last week? Oh, you're right. The, the, the Cardinals came in and diced him up with Colt McCoy. He went 22 at 26. I mean, that's per- almost a perfect day. 249 yards, no interceptions, one touchdown. I mean, he just just came in and had a day with him. And like you said, Ed, no Murray, no Hopkins. They're starting running back. Chase Edmonds left with only one carry. He got hurt. So, I mean, it's just backups on backups for that offense. And they just ran all over the Niners. And then conversely, the Niners, their strength is supposed to be that run game, right? They came mm-hmm. in as a third-ranked rushing offense by DVOA. They come in and just – they got 39 rushing yards. They weren't able to get anything going. And to their credit, the Cardinals have a good defense, but yeah. the one thing that they've been susceptible against this year is the run. So you would think, at least on paper, especially with all the injuries, that if there's a game that the Niners can come in and kind of make something happen, it'd be this game. And it just, yeah, it didn't happen. They got dominated. It wasn't even close. At I home guess too. It, And you've even gotten, you know, is Kyle Shanahan on the hot seat? Should he even be? Is this like just an overreaction? They're on a three-game losing streak. You know, we everybody thought the Niners would be, you know, better than they have been this year. They've been one of the, they just been struggling all year. Part of that's injuries. You know, they haven't had Kittle a lot, and just in general, the Niners just seem to be injured. Man, it's <laughs> every insane. year. It's but, insane. But it, so you got to wonder how much of it's on that. Is is it coaching? You know, whatever it is. One thing I want to ask you. Does this game tell us more about the Cardinals, or does it tell us more about the Niners? Are the Cardinals just that good, or are the Niners, you know, what's what's going on? I'll say this. Um, Cliff Kingsbury definitely outcoached Kyle Shanahan and that staff, and I won't put it all on Shanahan, like, because I feel like, you, you know, they talked about the hot seat rumblings. I feel like the hot seat more is for D'Amico Ryans, first-year defensive coordinator. That defense has – underperformed and has not lived up to what we expect of a Niners defense. And we know Robert Sala just took the head coaching job in New York. That's why he isn't he is in New York as the new head coach there. But D'Amico Ryan's man, this could be one and done for him because if Kyle Shanahan is getting those talks, you then you know you gotta find somebody else to kind of take the blame. And I think it's D'Amico Ryan's who could be that one and done type guy because that defense has no business struggling the way they did. James Conner had 173 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns. Me being a Steelers fan, I'm surprised that he had that. Like that's got to be by far the best day he's had. Like he's a good he's a good running back. Don't get me wrong, he's a very good running back. But there's no way when, without Kyler, without DeAndre Hopkins, they don't have many. Op- I'm not going to say don't have many options. They do. They have plenty of options. But there's no way James Conner goes off for three touchdowns. And especially that long screenplay that he had. Like, I mean, this is this has got to change. And so I think D'Amico Ryans could be uh, looking for a new job come next offseason. Uh, I think you're right. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. And I, I do think as far as the Cardinals go, they've kind of cemented themselves as they're, they're the team to beat right now, AFC, NFC. I mean, they're the only team that just seems to have kind of separated themselves from the pack, if you will. Yeah, so I think uh, this, this, like you said, to kind of answer your question to close the segment, man, that game told us more about Arizona and the job that Cliff Kingsbury has done. I mean, not having your two best weapons on offense and still dominating the game from start to finish was, was very impressive. No, I agree. I'm with you. It was just a dominant performance. Hats off to the Cardinals. 49ers, come on, man. you got to figure it out. <laughs> so as we head to break to hear from our local sponsors again, 
Stay tuned for our segment, Fantasy Studs and Duds, as Chris and I will talk about some of the players who have outperformed their draft stock and some of the others who haven't quite lived up to those expectations. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. Care Animal Center is a local business partner at The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapenny Pool Patio Spa. As we close with fantasy studs and duds. Chris, man, take me through your fantasy studs thus far in the season. There's a couple, and just to read it, when we say studs, these are guys that have maybe you got late who are playing a lot better than where they got drafted, something like that. My first guy, Jalen Hurts. If you got Jalen Hurts, you probably got him ninth, 10th, 11th round. He's a number two ranked quarterback in fantasy right now. Yeah. I know he hasn't been that impressive as far as actual NFL goes, but as far as fantasy, it's it's hard to do better than, than him right now. Another guy, you would know this very well, Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. He was undrafted. Nobody drafted Elijah Mitchell. Comes in, has been the clear-cut favorite for them. Trey Sermon hasn't – he's a healthy scratch just about every week. It's it's Mitchell's show. If you manage to get him, I mean, you're probably sitting pretty good right now. That's a huge – he's this year's James Robinson. And then last guy, I guess you could argue this guy is actually this year's James Robinson, Cordero Patterson, another <laughs> guy, if you got him undrafted, we everybody thought it was going to be the Mike Davis show – Instead, as Patterson's coming in, he's almost their number one receiver. He's their number one running back. He he's he's doing everything. He's looks like he's having like a late career resurgence. He he looks incredible. So if you got any of those three guys, props to you. Those are huge steals. And also, as Jalen Hurts goes, that's also why you can wait for quarterbacks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's something I've learned for sure. Like I was so gung ho on taking Russell Wilson that. Like you said, I've learned. I got a new strategy. I'm waiting on QB <laughs> next year. I'm not forcing the quarterback next season. But, yeah, man, fantasy studs. I loved each one of those. Each one of those made sense. And, like you said, I had Elijah Mitchell on my team. I picked him up waivers, so he's definitely come through in the clutch for me. Now, for me and my studs, number one, Debo Samuel from that same team, the 49ers. This was somebody I targeted purposely because I felt he was being overlooked from his injury last year that allowed Brandon Ayuk to go off and, of course, George Kittle. But, man, I'm telling you, Debo Samuel was somebody I targeted, and that's somebody I was going to get for sure. I made sure that even if I had to take him around earlier, I did not want to miss on that guy who was ranked – He was he's ranked fourth in all of, uh you know, fantasy football. And then he's second in receiving yards per game and second in total receiving yards behind Cooper Cup, of course. So Debo Samuel, I took him with the number 76 pick in our draft. Number two, you'll love this one, man. This is your dude, Michael Pittman Jr. Man, this guy went – this dude went 127th in our draft. 127th, and he's ranked ninth in all of fantasy football at the wide receiver position. He's had five touchdowns his last five games. There's no question – there was plenty of them going into the season who that number one guy is for the Colts. No more. We know it's this receiver from USC, the big body, Michael Pittman Jr., 
this guy is a complete stud. And I know you said this dude's going to be a third-round pick next year in fantasy football. There's no yep. way he'll be the number 127 <laughs> pick come next okay. year's draft. <laughs> so Michael Pittman Jr. is my number two. And then number three, you already touched on it, Jalen Hurts. This dude went 87th in our draft, which was probably the eighth or ninth quarterback taken. I mean, this dude here is – there's nothing else to say about Jalen Hurts. Like you said – Guys, wait on your QBs next year. Don't don't take them in the second or third, unless you just got your guys set. You know, mindset on certain guys. But look, you can win a lot of games and have a lot of success in fantasy football if you do wait on those QBs. Now, man, take me through your fantasy does. Your fantasy does. Guys who haven't quite lived up to those expectations. Somebody that may have been taken higher, and just they're not getting it done for you. In your fantasy team who are fewer your duds yeah and i'll say i'm trying to avoid injury but my first one kind of cheats that rule michael thomas and i'm gonna say michael thomas i know he's been injured but people he was still drafted he was drafted in the sixth or seventh round on average if you check his average draft position other guys you could have got around that time jamar chase t mm. higgins jerry judy chase claypool Cortland sutton meanwhile you drafted michael thomas who isn't even going to play a, a down this year i mean uh, again, kind of cheating the injury rule, but that's seventh round. There's a lot of good guys still there. And so if you took Thomas, yeah, <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. Uh, number two, Miles Sanders. He had so much hype coming into this year. I mean, he was being taken second round, third round. This is the guy who thought was just going to kind of steal the show for the Eagles this year. I mean, he, which he's, he has a talent to do it. But as we've seen this year, it's been a lot more hurts in the run game. And then even a lot of gain. Well, they haven't really, Sanders hasn't really taken off like nope, we thought he would. I mean, he's all. averaged, I think, six to seven points, which is okay. But he's a third-round pick. You want more out of your third-round pick. And then last guy, Allen Robinson, probably the biggest bust of the draft, in my opinion, this year. I mean, Allen Robinson, he's been great as far as fantasy goes, even with subpar quarterback plays. Everybody this year was like, oh, man, they got Fields. Fields is going to eventually play. Him and Robinson are just going to tear it up, which I – kind of agreed with you know i mean there's no reason to think it'd be this bad and it said he's averaged five points 5.6 points oh, per game man. this year that's a third round pick man mm. that's a third round pick who's a number one receiver it's supposed mm. to be he's getting outplayed by darnell mooney and in that run game and they, it's just not working and if you took alan robinson in the third round i mean now i don't need to go into who's available <laughs> in the third round that's that's by far the biggest bust of the draft in my opinion and for me Mike Davis, this is something we we both missed on this guy. You talked about Cordell Patterson in your in your studs. <laughs> so on the flip side of that, the dud has to be Mike Davis, and I took him in one of my leagues and confident and com- and I was so confident, like man, this is the steal of the draft. Like nobody knows about this dude. Like he took over for uh, you know Christian McCaffrey last year and parlayed that into a contract with the Falcons, and there was really no competition for him going into training camp. It was going to be Mike Davis, and he was number 66 taken in our draft, and he only has one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown. So if you had Mike Davis and was banking on him like Chris and I was, (laughs) man, I'm sorry. Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson number two, man. This guy here, Mike Davis went 66 in our draft. Robbie Anderson went 71st. The last four games, last four games, this guy has – Nine catches for 57 yards. Nine catches mm. his last four games, and that's on 31 targets. So if it's 31 targets, you're expecting to have at least half of those as catches. And so this is a dude who just signed a two-year extension this summer for a lot of money, and the Panthers are expecting a whole lot. I mean, this dude here had 11 targets one game and had 11 yards. Like, how does Sam Darnold throw you the ball 11 times and you only – part of that into a that's the other yards. thing that's reuniting him and darnold it's supposed to be this you know this the reuniting they're gonna pick up right where they left off nope. this was supposed to be and, and if i was gonna take a receiver from the carolina wide receiver core it was gonna be robbie anderson over dj moore like that was hands down i literally thought about taking anderson because he was going to be the guy like you said just based on his chemistry with darnold back with the jets now to close this segment i know you talked about injuries and it's not really fair to include it but for me, I'm going to include it just because of how high this player has been taken, not only last year, but this year. He was taken number six by you in our draft last year, 
And this year he was third. He was. Uh, I'm sorry. He was taken third last year by you. This year he was sixth in our draft. Saquon Barkley, man. I'm sorry. Like if you take a guy <laughs> that high in a draft, he has to at least be available. I mean, it's one thing to not produce, but you've just taken your first round pick, which we know that guy has to hit for you. If he's not hitting for you in your draft, it could be a long year. And I know you took him last year. My guy Chase took him this year. And he's just not available, man. He's missed 18 games going back from the ACL injury last year. He's already missed four this season. Like I said, the best ability is availability. And so Saquon Barkley just doesn't provide that right now. So those are my three duds, man. My three duds. I love your duds. I love your studs. Each one of them made sense. And like I said, we kind of empathize with some of the people who are going through either those exciting moments or some of those frustrating moments based on some of the picks they made this year's draft now chris man before we close man give me your sweet spot surprise pick maybe a team that not many are expecting to win this week's matchup who's that team to Um, watch out for my pick will be and i I know probably just going to say well it's the broncos they should win uh i'm going to go with the eagles over the broncos i i know the broncos aren't being highly touted but they're five wins right now they're right in the mix of that division but i do think the eagles can come in and, and make something happen against that defense jalen hurts played better last week but one of the things that we're seeing which they haven't done kind of mentioned this with uh sanders they got a little bit of a run game going your guy jordan howard had yeah. a great game last week they got boston scott going they they're kind of making things happen to go with a solid defense. I mean, they gave the Chargers a run for their money last week. I'm picking them to, to come in and upset the Broncos this weekend. Yeah, man, for me, my sweet spot surprise pick of the week. Uh, we talked about this team and the other team in this, seg- or in this show. Uh, the Niners, man, I think the Niners could be that team that they could beat the Rams. They beat, the, they beat Los Angeles twice last year. Obviously, this is a different team. Uh, they didn't have Matt Stafford. Cooper Cup wasn't out of his mind at the receiver position. <laughs> and the Niners don't have Robert Salah, as we mentioned. But this is a near-must-win game at this point of the season. The way the Cardinals are off to, what, 8-1, and one, the Rams are 7-2. and two. ESPN Monday Night Football game, San Francisco has this game at home. I'm going with the Niners with – this sweet spot surprise pick. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they do beat the Rams because Shanahan has had, you know, my guy. I like him a lot, but I like Shanahan too. But he has had McVay's number in recent games. So don't be shocked if the Niners do indeed beat the Rams as the Rams are getting into that gauntlet part of their schedule. They beat up on the cupcakes. Now it's time for some real serious football. There it is, Eagles Niners, picks of the week. So, man, Chris, my guy, look, we'll pick it back up next week. This will be our weekly NFL show as we provide content on the NFL scope because there's so much to be talked about as we are halfway reaching our middle part of the season. So, uh, Chris, man, appreciate you always. Look forward to doing it again next week. I know for sure. This is a, an exciting week. Exciting weeks ahead. We're getting closer to the playoffs. I'm always excited to come back in and talk, and there's always going to be something to talk about. Man. For more content, subscribe to Corey Bradley Sports. Once you search Corey Bradley Sports, you will see the Sweet Spot logo. And after you subscribe, you will receive notification anytime new content is uploaded. The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts as well. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the Sweet Spot.